Thanks so much for tuning in. Matt Daniel here back with you. Welcome back to this episode of Bleeding Green, Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. And it's time for part two of my chat with Northwest great and Super Bowl champion, two-time Super Bowl champion, Dave Tollefson. And uh, we just couldn't fit it all into one episode. So uh, so you're going to hear the rest of my chat. A couple of things here before we get started. And we're just going to kind of jump back in, uh, jump right back in where we left off last week. But, uh, you know, you'll get three weeks of the podcast. You get uh, kind of a bonus episode this week, a two-parter. I couldn't make you wait two weeks to listen. This is good. And I, I really enjoyed that first half last week. I hope you did as well, and I think this one's uh, just as good, if not better. Some great stories um, from Dave, and, and man, he's got a bunch of them. You know, we didn't, uh, we, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of meat left on the bone here, uh, not just with Dave, but with so many of these guys uh, that I talked to. So uh, no doubt we'll uh, hear from them down the road here on Bleeding Green. But I, I want to say a, a thank you. Give a shout out to my buddy Jake Phillips, as well as to Coach Rich Wright, who both helped me kind of get with Dave and track him down. And and uh, he was more than willing to come on and, and so appreciate his time. But let's get right back into it here. As we left off last week, kind of talking about the wrap up to the 2005 season, and we're getting ready to the good part, right? To the road dogs. That's where we're starting as Dave is talking about the season resetting and going right back to the playoffs. Let's listen in. He's like, all right, here's our chance and, and let's make the most of it. But we know we got to go on the road, right? So where are we headed? We're headed to Angelo, Texas, you know, San Angelo. So we had no idea what we were getting into down there. We just kind of hit the work week and got after it. You know, I don't think I practice, like I said, and get down there and smoke them, you know? Well, and you talk about being on the road. How much do those road games, I mean, did it end up helping, right? Where it's just you guys, right? Yep. There's no outside distractions. It's just the team. You're together. I mean, was it, was it easier for you guys to stay focused? Yeah, a hundred percent. And, and I haven't mentioned this, but, you know, Mike Peterson broke his jaw at training camp. Uh, Brandon, I call him you the DB coach now. Uh, he hit, mm -hmm. yeah, Brandon Clayton hit Mike and broke, like clean broke his jaw. And Mike was going to be a sophomore and he was coming in. He was the real deal. You know, he was a four or five guy at 240 pounds and really created some issues. And I think he came back third, fourth game maybe. And, and once he got going, he became a huge weapon, really combined with Andre Rector and, and uh, Xavier for Josh Lamberson. And and it was kind of neat. Never before, at least as far as I understand, a, an offense and defensive guy have been roommates. But me and Mike were best friends. So Coach T made us roommates on the road, which was really special to me as we were best buddies. And, and to be on the road with all your friends and, and the conversations that we would have, it was definitely galvanizing. Um, and we had nothing to lose, right? You know, we were heading down to Texas to play a team that we, we had never played before. And, you know, let's see what we can do. And, and I think that game was a surprise to a lot of people and to us like, Whoa, if we play well, like we can beat good teams, right? Mm -hmm. 
Well, and again, you know, kind of like the, the year before against Kingsville, except this one's in Texas. A lot of Texas guys, you know, on the Bearcats. So I'm sure, you know, for, from Andre and some other guys, a lot of guys are probably pretty motivated to, you know, kind of show them what's up, so to speak. Yeah, I ended up, it was 35 to 7 at halftime, and I didn't even play the second half. You know, and Xavier rushed for well over 200 yards that yeah. game. They had a really good running back. I think he was like an All-American type. Fox was his last name. And that, for Xavier, I know that was a deal where he wanted to go and make sure they understood who the best guy was, you know? Yeah, well, I think that was Xavier's career. Hey, Ray, I ran for over 200 yards or whatever. I'm pretty sure that was his career high, which, you know, <laughs> running for a lot of yards in the playoffs kind of became his thing. Um at, at Northwest, but, um, and, and then the revenge tour starts, right? Oh, yeah. You guys are, you're, you're playing at Washburn. You know, you didn't play well, um, the, the first time and still barely lost that game. And, you know, I mean, 42, 32 doesn't seem like, you know, it seems, Oh, you know, it was a close game. It wasn't a close game. It was 28 no. to nothing. And, and it was 35 to seven at one point. And you guys, a couple late touchdowns by them made it look a little bit closer, but you guys, yep took out your frustrations on the Ichabods. No question. Uh, you know, that, that was a big game for us because of the, the regular season outcome and how frustrated we were about that. And again, the coming off that Angela State game, we had a ton of confidence that if we played well, we're, we're going to be all right. And on defense, we weren't great. On offense, one they got it. They got it figured out, you know. Later in the season, they started playing really, really good in the playoffs, you know. And as hard as it is for me to say, but that offense kind of carried us, uh, especially through those first two games. The, you know, the third one against Pittsburgh, it was kind of all hands on deck, you know. But yeah, we went out there and went out on fire. I got. I remember. I got some funny stories from that game. Dallas Flynn, I think, pushed the ref because he was complaining about someone holding him. Mm -hmm. And the ref said, you don't worry about it or something. I was standing right there. I don't remember exactly. Probably a little more colorful than that. But <laughs> he pushes the ref, and the ref grabs his flag to throw it. And Ben Harness grabs the ref's arm. <laughs> and he's like, don't, don't. He's sorry. He's sorry. He's sorry. I pushed Ben away and I started apologizing to the ref for both of them. <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't throw the flag. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> he didn't throw the flag. So nine times it, out of 10, not only a flag, he's probably gone. Right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> both of them. Right. I mean, it was, and, uh, then, and then the, the quarterback for the team for Washburn, was a guy named Jordan Brill. And Jordan Brill went to high school with Kyle Kaiser. And I hit, I think I had three sacks that game. You did, yep, three sacks, yep. And I hit Jordan Brill one time, and he goes running out of the game. And it was a pretty hard hit, but nothing really kind of out of the ordinary. And come to find out the next week, I guess the way that I hit Jordan, he pissed his pants. Jeez, oh, whoa. Kyle, hey, Kyle told me... um that story and I, I was like there you go that's a feather in the cap first time i hit somebody and they pissed themselves it's yeah that's <laughs> i've never heard of that happening before so yeah yeah so 
Yeah, but it wasn't as close as it looked. And, and uh, I, we kind of, we found this groove, some rhythm, right? You always talk about that kind of football so specific to momentum, mm-hmm. right? Now we got, we got two really good wins under our belt and we got some momentum heading into, you know, the rivalry, right? Pretty much, again, whoever wins this game is kind of the driver's seat to make it to the national championship, right? Yeah, and Pitt had beat you guys three times in a row over the last yep. season and, and half. And, and this was my first time. No, no, it wasn't. This would be my second time, obviously, going to the jungle, uh, which was which was incredible um, experience. I mean, that place was really neat to play at. And, I, you know, the Arrowhead stuff, again, I would prefer to play there against them. I think they should do that again. But there's so much nostalgia, not only at Pittsburgh, but at Maryville for us to play each other, right? Well, and isn't the way that you go go to the field at Pitt, you've got to walk through the crowd kind of or through that tailgate area? So Bart Tatum was our offensive coordinator that year, and the fans were just all over him at halftime. And he, I think he might have told him to shut the F up or something like that. And they were just like, oh, my gosh, the coach. So after we beat him, he's coming back down from the press booth, and the fans are all over him again. What's your name? You can't talk to us like that. And he turns around and says, Jim Sabota," <laughs> And walks out. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. But That's there's an all 100%. You know, but the, the – that game meant so much to everybody again, because it, it, it seems like every time we played it, something was on the line, you know, whether it was the number one seed in 04 or, or now, you know, this first game this season, in 05 at Arrowhead, which always means some, and then you got a playoff game and, uh, that game went great. We played really, really good, um, on both sides of the ball. And, you know, the, the game was close, but I feel like for the most part, uh, we were pretty happy with where we were at the whole game. There wasn't a ton of up and downs, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, no Jermaine race. That certainly helps, but not only that, I mean, they had a, they had a great team. You guys just completely shut everything down. They couldn't run the ball. Then they had to throw, which is not really what they wanted to do. You picked off Andy majors four times, I mean, yep. that's that's how you script that up, right? Stop the run, make them throw. And um, I totally forgot, but, you know, obviously Jermaine not playing is, is huge, but our team was so willing to take advantage of any situation. You know, whatever help was there, we were going to take it, you know? It was like, all right, that's their problem, not ours. Let's take advantage mm-hmm. of it, you know? And, and we did. Well, you don't think they would have liked to see, you know, Xavier not not play? You know what I mean? Yeah. Same same yeah, deal. <laughs> and not of apologize course. for it if, Gosh, you know, or whatever. Oh, so good. I met Ramsey Atia tried to tackle him in that Arrowhead game. Yeah. Our backup defensive ends were Ramsey Atia, Brett Harding, who I don't even know if they played anymore after that year, but he hit Ramsey so hard, I think his helmet came off. Oh, wow. Jermaine was a – Jermaine was – very unique talent for you know for his size and speed mm-hmm. he was tough and not having him i think you could argue might have been the difference but we weren't going to complain right no yeah you you play the hand that's dealt to you and 
Yeah. And you know, you guys have been banged up, right? <clears throat> you know, yep. all, all season, especially you. Yeah. yeah. And so we had Joe Beagley was a backup guard and he was playing D tackle for us. Oh, wow. And, and Dallas Flynn was probably 235 pounds and he was the starting three technique. Um, we were up front. It was a patchwork. I mean, it was a total patchwork and Jared Erst Palmer, it was his first year starting. And obviously he was incredible, um, that season. And uh, Ben Harness, you know, we were fortunate. We had enough guys on defense in the right spot to, that could make some plays, you know. Mm. Then we head down to North Alabama. Yeah, one of the epic games of all time. Crazy game oh. that just, you know, that one's on YouTube. You can go watch it. Even watching it is is almost like the, the uh, 99 title game of you know against Carson Newman is oh, how are they gonna how are they gonna do this right how are they gonna pull it out um the kind of thing the, you know if you talk to guys from that 05 team that North Alabama team probably was the best team we played all year they were really good I thought Josh Lamberson was gonna die they were hitting him so hard they you know, they ran that kind of 30 front. They blitz from a bunch of different angles. Mm-hmm. And I was like, they're going to kill them. They're going to kill them. So it was it was tough, man. There was a lot of things that happened that game. Um, that safety that we got was a play that they ran out of a certain group. And I missed it. I was supposed to drop to the flat and cover the back coming out, and I didn't, and they ended up converting, and Coach Bossy was really upset with me. Well, they run it again down by, backed up to their end zone, and I cover it, and Kyle Kaiser gets that safety right there, which really was the difference in the game. Mm-hmm. And then they don't go for it on fourth and an inch. Right. Because they mean, had failed was, a couple of other – you yeah. guys had stopped them on two other ones. Yes. And, but, yeah, going back and watching that, you're like, What? That's like less yeah. than the length of a football. How do you not go for that? And then the punt might have been a five-yard punt or mm-hmm. something. I mean, it was just, it was, it was crazy. It, it was, and then the fight at the end of the game. Like, how does no one get suspended? Like, right? You know, I can imagine nowadays there'd be fifteen suspensions for the national championship. Which I had forgot about that. I went and rewatched this. I don't know about six months ago or so. And I kind of forgot about that fight at the end of the game. Oh, Pestock was beating the hell out of some guy. <laughs> I was so tired, I couldn't even get over there. I mean, I was so, it was such a hard game um, that I was just exhausted and harnessed. I mean, it, I think the whole, it was, it was something else. One of my favorite memories, Matt, they got the ball at the end there, and Coach T grabs me, and he's like, you got to make a play here, son. And uh, I went out there and sacked them. And that was kind of the end of the game there once that mm-hmm. happened. And on ESPN, he said, yeah, we had it. We had guys at the end of there that had to make plays, and they made them. And, it, and I never knew if he said it to me or not, but it meant so much that, that I felt like he was recognizing my efforts, you know. And, and he was such a man of, of not really saying too much either way. It just meant so much to me. 
you know. Well, and I've heard you talk about that play before. I've heard Coach talk about it. Obviously, you know, I, you know, it's on the ESPN broadcast at the end, and that's that's such a cool moment. And I'm I'm glad you brought that up because if you didn't, I was going to ask you about it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, pretty pretty special. So that happens. First team ever to win four road games to get to the national title game. I mean, you guys got to you know be feeling pretty good about yourselves. <laughs> yeah, you know end up getting the moniker of the road dogs, which mm-hmm. kind of lives in infamy now in Northwest history. Um, and we just had a ton of momentum. Um, and, and I'll tell you, we felt really good going down, going back to North Alabama again to play for the national championship. We felt really good about it, you know, and that game was, it was the, toughest loss in my football life it's not i don't even know if there's one that even comes close to it now it's it was we were literally two yards away from doing something that really up to that point was probably considered impossible right we were ranked 21st in the country we were really the last team in the playoffs we we had lost three games during the regular season and and we were so close to getting it done and and it just it was heartbreaking you know well and talk about obviously talk about this game if you're talking about grand valley you're talking about cullen finnerty you know may rest in peace but my goodness what a what a guy what was it like going up against him because he was he was a big guy too imagine it was uh he, he would punish you as much as you punished him yeah, he was a warrior, and they were big up front. I ended up playing when I got drafted with Green Bay with their left tackle, Josh Burke, and we became friends, and and uh, they were so big up front, and their defensive line was really good. I remember I hit Colin Finnerty one time. I, I tried to knock his head off, and he popped right back up like nothing happened. He was tough, and he could kind of do it all. You know, I wouldn't say – you know, he was an incredible athlete, but he ran enough to keep you honest and he could throw all the throws. Um, that first drive, they marched on the field and score, remember? Mm-hmm. And we started in our regular base defense, our four-man front, and they mauled me. Man, I was probably 230 pounds. I'd lifted weights. Uh, you know, I w- again, we were a patchwork of guys up front at this point. And they, that left tackle, Josh, and the tight end just mauled me down the field. They marched down the field and scored. And I come off the sideline, and I'm getting after Bostwick, and I'm like, you've got to change something. They're going to kill me. They're going to kill me. And that's one of the unique things about these relationships that us as players have with the coaches at Northwest is he listened. And we went to our 30 front, and we ran that the rest of the game. And really – they did they only scored two more touchdowns and we were tough on them we we played them tough you know but to get that from coach boswick and him understand that that you know i this is my input and really listen i'm not sure there's many places where players have the ability to have those types of conversations you know 
Well, I mean, talk about your relationship with him, because obviously somebody you're really close to, that's going to happen. You know, I also want to talk about Coach Wright, who was your your uh, position coach. But, I mean, yeah. with Coach Bostwick, I know you guys had such a such a special relationship, even long after you, you know, left Northwest. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he got me off the scrap pile, you know, and I, and I think Coach Bostwick had us – he was a unique, the way he saw things when it came to recruiting. I mean, he ended up showing me my film that I, my coach sent from junior college. And if I was a coach somewhere, I wouldn't have touched me with a 10 foot pole. It wasn't that good, you know, but he saw something, uh, that, that maybe I didn't even see in myself at the time. And, uh, you know, that always meant so much to me. And he was so honest and, and he would listen sometimes, but well, maybe not much, but <laughs> if it mattered, he'd listen. And, uh, you know, he was just such a character, you know, it, it, you have coaches that, that they're not just coaches. They're kind of characters of, of the program, you know, coach T was so stoic, you know, almost like, and this is by no means disrespectful, like the, the head manager, the CEO, right? He had to be under control. He had to know what was going on with all the pieces and where they fit. And then you have this guy running the defense that was just a Yahoo, you know, <laughs> yelling all the time. What are you doing, David? What are you doing? You know, and, and just, um, that's just who he was. And and coach Wright is really the same way. They're very similar, very similar. Um, and, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll not to get too crazy about it, but obviously my football career wouldn't be what it was without Northwest Missouri state, but I met my wife there, Matt, and I have children with her and, and really I wouldn't have, the things that matter to me most, if it wasn't for that place and really for coach Bostwick and, and coach T kind of taking a chance on a guy that hadn't played football for two years, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a pretty crazy, it's a pretty crazy ride. I mean, every, everything about it, right. Even, even knowing how it ends, but listening to you tell this, I mean, it's just so improbable, right? Like it's, yeah. <laughs> it's the impossible story. It doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, getting back to that game, um, there's so many moving parts, Matt, because obviously Mike Peterson, I think he had what, 160 yards receiving 150. That might've been a record at the time. If not, it was close. Yes. So he wasn't in our two minute package late in the game. A lot of people like, why wasn't he in the game? Well, he had never done anything with that two-minute package, which it was obvious from early on that Mike was a complete mismatch for whatever they were trying to do with him, right? Mm -hmm. Well, we didn't have a spot for him. And then you get to the throw to EJ, right? Which, I mean, you think any you put anybody else out there, Andre, Mike, uh, Maya Korth, who also was a huge contributor that year, they catch that ball, you know, but he decides to jump instead of standing there. And, and, you know, no, 
you know, I haven't talked to EJ really probably since after that game, to be honest with you. Um, but he had his own issues, right? He ended up not finishing his career there. And, and it was just, I think we were all really frustrated that a guy was put in the position to win us the game that probably didn't care nearly as much as all of us, right? And then last play of the game, think about it. Josh scrambles to his right. He's got to throw across his body to to Raff, who's open in the end zone, but he can't get the ball there, and he has to come out and gets tackled, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, what a way to lose. It's almost – I'd rather probably get our ass kicked, to be honest with you, you know? Yeah. Well, not only that game, but that's then that's how your Northwest for all of you seniors, right? That's how your your Northwest career ends in such a heartbreaking, you know, gut wrenching oh, way. I mean, none of us. I don't even know where my second place trophy's at. I, I honestly could not tell you. Uh, you know, it, it was it was so close. You know, and, and we got inducted to the Hall of Fame this last year. That 05 team, and it was so much fun to have the guys and get to see a bunch of people and their families, and 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 it was it was really a lot of fun. But all of us, when we talked, like man, we were we were that close, you know. And it's still just a such a tough pill to swallow because we had came so far, you know, to just come two yards short, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and even you look at the next three, next three losses, right? That you know, they're all close. They're all yeah. like that. You know, they're all just a few points. And uh, but it's interesting how even even this 05 season, a lot of those guys that redshirted, right? That that didn't even play, but were red shirts. A lot of those guys ended up being contributing factors. You know, heck. Let's talk about a Tyler Roach, right? Northwest doesn't yeah. win the title in 09 without his blocked extra point against Central well, Washington. He's a, you know, red, he redshirted. LaRon, LaRon Council, I think, did he redshirt that year? No, the year after. I, think, I can't remember. But they had that recruiting class, that freshman class, Paddock, Roach, they were, you could tell pretty quick that they they had hit some home runs on some guys, you know? And, yeah, Miles and, Burnside's right. Yeah, no question. And those guys, I think, man, it's just so. In what situation does a program weather losing four straight national championships? Yeah. You know, but they had built such a special thing. All those coaches there, and the players, that that program could weather it and come back for a fifth and get it done. Yeah, it's kind. It's really pretty amazing i mean yeah of course i mean that could end a lot of programs Mm -hmm. you know and and they could stumble like that and never make it and and they only got better and worked harder and and made more of it you know and to think that this point now northwest has been to 10 national championship games right is that right yeah is it a pretty incredible feat considering four straight of them they lost you know mm-hmm. well and won six more than any other team in division two just in the last 24 23 24 years you know mm-hmm. which is even more it's even more amazing yeah it was just it, it's still you know and 
I think I probably would give a Super Bowl ring up to have that national championship. You know, because it was we worked hard, Matt. I mean, it as the season went on, we knew we weren't that good, and then to get that momentum and and then to come short, it was just really tough, man. A lot of guys had sacrificed themselves physically, and and I knew I was done, and I left after that to go train. Uh, you know, and that was you know obviously the last time I'd be on campus as a student athlete, and it was just tough. Um, so as you're, th- you were, so that happens, right? And then it's, it's kind of on to the next thing, right? You're, you're thinking about, okay, you know, NFL draft that, I mean, what were you hearing initially? I mean, we, you know, you can finally kind of devote your time to think about that and training and, yeah. and all of those things. I mean, are you, are you thinking early on? Yeah. I'm, there's a real good chance I'm going to get drafted. No, I really wasn't. Um, all 32 teams came through scouts wise and saw me it was actually funny um i froze no i didn't do that yet that there was like four teams in town for practice and josh lamerson taped my locker shut like the lock and i had never locked my locker so on top of it being taped the lock itself and have vaseline all over it I didn't know the combination to the lock. Oh no. So oh. so so I get this stuff off. I gotta find Red, the, the the equipment guy, to get my combination. And I'm like fifteen minutes late to practice. And there's four NFL teams in there. And the minute I walk in, they walk out. Oh no. <laughs> so and it but we were so close that I really wasn't that mad about it. I really wasn't because that that's just who we all were. I ended up freezing Josh's helmet in a five gallon bucket of water, <laughs> you know, and leaving it in his locker. And, and we, but so the NFL thing, when that season started before I got hurt, the Southern game, I'm like doing my thing. I'm super excited and, and I get hurt, but then I, I continue to play well when I do play. I th- you know, finished the season with 12 and a half sacks, I think. Well, in the playoffs, Coach T said he wanted to talk to me after practice. And I'm like, oh, boy, what I do? You know, I f- fail fishing class or something, you know? <laughs> um, and he's like, hey, man, I don't know, you know, exactly how it happened, but you got invited to play in the Hula Bowl, um, which at the time, and it still is a Division One playoff game right you know yeah, it's all d and that guys. and that's other than talking to the scouts and you asked me about if i knew i was going to get drafted they all didn't know but they said yeah you're going to get a shot which to me was the same thing as getting drafted right mm-hmm. like you're going to get a shot to make a team and i'm like that's all i want like that's awesome well then i get invited to this hula bowl and i'm and and that's like oh th- they're actually pretty interested in what i could do you know and that was a big deal. You know, I ended up, they forgot, my, they lost my equipment from Northwest on the plane ride there. So I practiced the first practice of the hula bowl with no equipment, with everybody else having equipment. I got a bloody nose. I think I cut my lip. And I eventually had to borrow some stuff from the University of Hawaii. And I think the, the Northwest, like, maybe overnighted me some stickers or something. So I could just put it on the side because the Hawaii helmets at the time were like a really dark green mm-hmm. and they had like a black face mask. So I wore that stuff. Interesting. But I ended up time for the team leading tackles in the game. And I think that was 
when things started to get pretty serious. Like, th- this could be a thing for me. I'm playing against D1 guys. I'm not only holding my own, but doing well. And uh, that that was a big deal for me. I was still rehabbing from my shoulder. Um, I was training in Chicago and really kind of getting my act together. And it all kind of obviously came to fruition with getting drafted. But then Coach T got me into the Missouri Pro Day. That's when Brad Smith was the quarterback. He mm-hmm. was a senior. And that was big time, too. There was a couple MIAA guys there. And it was really funny story about that pro day. Is uh, They had an offensive lineman, Tony something. He got drafted, actually. Tony Palmer. Big guy. He was all Big 12 guy. And uh, they wanted to do a mirror drill with him. The Missouri, the, the pro scouts did. So the Missouri coaches picked me because I was the small school D lineman there. Mm-hmm. And I turn around, and I look at the other MIAA guys, and they both look at me, they're like, whoop his ass, Dave, because they <laughs> knew what was going to happen. And I just tore this kid up, you know, with this drill I was doing. I think he fell down. And, and uh, it was kind of neat, you know, that I was hanging with these guys from these big-time schools coming from Northwest Missouri State, you know? Mm-hmm. So the, the draft comes up, right? And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, obviously you get drafted in the seventh round by the Packers. Had, how many other calls had you gotten during the draft? I mean, were there other times where somebody called? It always happens, right? Somebody calls, oh, yeah, we're going to take you, and then it doesn't happen. Were there any other, you know, f- false starts, I guess, like that in the, yeah, in the draft? Yeah, so um, when we were in a bass fishing tournament, me and my buddy Tosh Lupoy. He was, a, he's the DC at Oregon right now. And, uh, we were in a bass fishing tournament during the draft. This is the third day. No, second day. It was two days then. Yes. Right. And, uh, I think I got a call from the Packers in the fifth round. I couldn't really tell. I had a sidekick T-Mobile. So I think I had some, like I could look at ESPN at the time, maybe, which was like a brand new thing. The mobile kind of, uh, going on the internet. And, uh, he calls me, asks me how I'm doing. Good, you know, just fishing, waiting to get a phone call. He says, hey, we're looking at you. Just have your phone near you. Be ready to go. And I hang up the phone. And Taj looks at me. He's like, if they call you back, tell them other teams have called. I'm like, other teams haven't. He's like, just tell them they have. I'm like, all right. So I'm really not sure what round it is. Well, they he, they call me, and I they're like, they ask me. It was uh, – Gosh, dang it. Dorsey. John Dorsey was the head of college scouting and he loved me. He actually smoked cigarettes with my mom on the like patio at the hula bowl (laughs) and, and like got to meet her and talk to her and get to know me. And he was at my pro day. And I guess he really liked me come to find out later in my NFL career. And he goes, have you talked to anybody? He's like, yeah, Philadelphia. And, um, what'd I say? Philly in the rank, Philly in the, the saints have called or something like that. Well, Philadelphia had the pick, I think after theirs. And so they, and it was just dumb luck that you had said that dumb, (laughs) dumb luck, dumb luck. And, uh, they end up drafting me and we're weighing in. And I tossed my buddy standing right there. I was like, dude, I just got drafted. He's like, shut up. I'm like, yeah, dude, the Packers just drafted me. 
and it was crazy. My, Megan was back in Maryville. They were watching the draft. I was in California fishing, um, and and it was just crazy. Like what? And I was a carpenter three years ago, and now I got drafted. It was so cool. And then to get drafted by Green Bay was even better. You know, it's such a cool franchise. It's small town. It, you know, Chris Grison lived up there, mm-hmm. and he I had never met Chris prior to that, and he became a huge part of my early career as a mentor, kind of letting me know how the NFL works, and we became really close, and that meant so much to me that, a bearcat was up there, you know, and uh, it was just crazy. My mom lost it. Megan, my wife, she was my girlfriend at the time, lost it. It was just kind of, I don't know, just so it, 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 I, I, I couldn't believe it myself, you know. And then I get the phone call from the pool reporters, and they asked me what my major was. I said corporate recreation. They're like, "What's that about?" I was like. It's like running recreation for corporations. I didn't know how to answer the question when they asked me that. <laughs> oh, oh well, that reminds me. Oh, I got it. Coach T had told me this story about how oh, you, it's the best story you, ever. You and uh, and Lambo getting interviewed um, for the national the title cap- game. It was, it was all the captains. So we had never okay, done that it. before. Okay. We had never done that. Like, none of our games are on TV. Well, the North Alabama game was? Was it, it was. on ESPN? Mm-hmm. It was on or ESPN2 on... or okay. something, or the okay. U, or I don't know if the U well, exists. Well, I don't think we met with the, the, the game uh, commenters before that game. Maybe some other guys did, but I didn't. So we go up there in a room and meet with them. And come to find out, as I got older in the NFL, that's really typical. The guys that are talking on the game want to meet the captains or the good players and get to know them, maybe say some stuff during the game. That's really neat, right? So I'm mm-hmm. sitting in the chair, and Andre's there, and I'm there, and Lamberson and Jordan Wilcox and Coach T. And they're like, Josh, we heard you've never gotten a B. <laughs> yeah, straight A's through my whole, whole college career, perfect 4.0. And I look at him, I said, guess what? I've never gotten a B either. <laughs> and Coach T almost fell out of his chair when I said that. And uh, it's one of the all-time great stories. <laughs> so great. Yeah, he, he told me that, and I just, yeah, that was, that was pretty great. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you knew exactly what I was talking about, too. That's great. 100%. It's one of the all-timers, man. And, and David Boyce was working for the Kansas City Star and he traveled with us, and he always tells me this story. It's one of his favorites. But one of our teachers gave a coach our test, and they were handing out the, the the test scores. And David's sitting right across from me, and I take it, and I stuff it in front of the seat. And he's like, are you going to look at what you got? I said, I'm not worried about it. You could retake tests. You can't retake national championships. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> and he always loved that quote. <laughs> That's great. So. Oh, well, to j- jump back. So so you, you know, go to camp, do the NFL thing. You don't make the roster, but you're on the practice squad. Um, you know, so, so again, you're kind of doing what you've done, right? You got a scratch, claw, fight. Um, you know, what, what was that year like with the Packers on the practice squad? I mean, did you, did you kind of learn some things that helped you deal with the NFL for later in your it, career? 
Yeah, for sure. You know, it was really good money coming out of college. I think it was like 96 grand. Um, you know, me and my, my, we got married up there, Megan and I on a curb in De Pere, Wisconsin <laughs> and, uh, to get her on my health insurance and all that good stuff. And she was going to a college out there online, I think to finish up her degree and everything. And it was a great experience. I absolutely loved it. Mike McCarthy was great. He was my kind of guy, Pittsburgh guy. Um, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I got her, I was, I really I had a real honest chance to make the team. Um, Jason Hunter was an undrafted kid out of Appalachian, and we were fighting for that fourth spot. And I missed a preseason game. I had pulled some cartilage in my rib. And it was really close. Jason ended up playing, I think, seven or eight years himself in the NFL as as well as me. But um, I ended up making the practice squad, which I didn't mind. You know, I was, again, another opportunity, and, and they didn't leave me at home. And, um, it was fantastic and ended up hurting my back squatting, um, like week seven or eight and they put me on IR and that was tough. I couldn't lift. I lost a bunch of weight and, and, you know, I, I was really in love with the area and wanted to stay. And I remember driving home, my agent calls me and they're not going to resign me. And that was, that sucked. If you know, I, I hadn't really been introduced yet to the business side of the NFL, um, and that was really the first time, like, you know, Hey, if you're not available, we don't really have a spot for you. And so we actually turn around and go back to Chicago and I started training again. Cause my only opportunity now would really probably be able to get sent to NFL Europe, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, again, rest in peace, Al Davis, he signs me sight unseen, which if I had to go work out for him, they probably wouldn't have signed me. Cause I wasn't, I hadn't done anything for months, you know? And so he signs me sight unseen and I get back up in shape and kind of just shake this back injury off for lack of a better way to put it and, uh, go to NFL Europe. And, and that probably more than anything, more than that practice squad, more than the hula bowl up to that point, that really showed me personally that I could play in the NFL. I played really good maybe second or third in the league in sacks. And that to me was kind of the impetus. Like I can play, like I can, I don't have to be a special teams guy or, or even a practice squad guy. Like I could line up and play defensive line in this league. Um, and from there, you know, go back to Oakland. Um, another funny story. I had a, everybody called Al Davis coach and I had a really cool conversation with him. And he's like, yeah, David, you were first team all league for two years at Ignacio Valley. I mean, he knew everything about me. It was unbelievable. Wow. Um, made practice squad there. That was probably the craziest professional team that I've ever seen put together in my life. <laughs> With Lane Kiffin as the head coach, they had just drafted Jamarcus Russell. I mean, I was like, this can't be how teams work. <laughs> Like, what is going on here? Like, I I was like, I couldn't believe it. I was living at my mom's house and driving like an hour and a half to, to the facility. And, and the Giants called. And, uh, you know, that was kind of crazy within itself, too, man. The, the Raiders actually offered me active money plus some to stay. They can pay you whatever they want on practice squad. Interesting. I didn't know that. And, 
Yeah, he offered me, I think it would have been like 300000 a year to stay. Um, they had four quarterbacks at the time. Dante Culpepper, Marcus Russell. Um, oh, gosh. Cade McNown. Maybe not Cade, but one of the McNowns and Andrew Walter. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have a they didn't have a spot for me. So uh, I took the chance to play in a real game uh, with the New York Giants and took a red eye. And you know, honestly, at the time they were two and two. I didn't think nothing about it. And next thing you know, we're playing in the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Well, see, I, I the Raiders talk is what interests me. I know you know you grew up a Raiders fan. Your mom's a big mm-hmm. Raiders fan. I've been a Raiders fan since I was eight, which is real weird. <laughs> because I'm from Northwest Missouri, right? And so, you know, as you name off those quarterbacks, oh, especially Andrew Walter, that one does not bring back some some great <laughs> some great memories. It's it's been tough, man. As as we know, I don't get to talk about the Raiders very often, and it's definitely tough uh, <laughs> tough tough no, road no, as a no fan. Question. You know, it was you know being a fan of them and then playing for them and then seeing how that was ran at the time, it was kind of disheartening itself you know like man i think we could do this could be better you know Mm -hmm. um but it it was you know my father-in-law always told his daughter we ended up we got married my rookie year on a curb into pier but we had our wedding here back in omaha in july of that next year and he always i was on the raiders you know I hadn't been there yet, but I just got back from NFL Europe and I was on the roster and he always told Megan that she was going to marry a Raider. (laughs) So he was all, he wore a Raider hat the whole wedding, you know? (laughs) That's awesome. But so you go from the practice squad to the giants, you play the last six games of the regular season. Then you guys go and get in the playoffs and kind of like what would happen again in 11, (laughs) just kind of a great run. And you know, you're, you know, you go from being on the practice squad to playing, I mean, some, you know, some great teams in the playoffs. You, you know, you, you play, of course, they played the Cowboys anyway, but then you get to play at the Packers. And uh, just, I mean, not only that, I mean, just talk about the defensive line, right? From Michael Strahan, Osio Manura, uh, Matthias Kiwanuka, who was pretty good at the time, Justin Tuck. I mean, all these guys, and, you know, and you're part of that D-line with them. Um, you know, that's, that's got to feel pretty incredible. Yeah. It was crazy looking around that room, you know, um, obviously Strahan had was pretty much already, I mean, he was a hall of famer, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if winning the Super Bowl really mattered at his position, but you know, OC at the time was probably a top five pass rusher and Justin Tuck was just coming on and then they added me and, uh, man, I was just along for the ride, you know, like I'm witnessing greatness and, and that made a huge impact on me, you know, and what I had to do to stay a part of that group. Cause I was going to have to get a lot better. If I wanted to stick around, I was really going to have to figure out how I could become my best, you know? And the really cool thing about it, we haven't got to talk about it much and maybe we can, but coach Wright was a huge giants fan. Mm-hmm grew up in New York and, and I just remember talking to him and, and how much it meant to him that I was playing there. And, and that was always, that always meant a ton to me, um, having those conversations. And so 
it, it wasn't easy. I had to find a way to get on the field at first, which was through special teams. Um, I had never played special teams before. You know, at Northwest, I didn't, other than kind of blocking that punt and doing some of that stuff. So that was a pretty big learning curve for me. Um, but uh, it was cool. It just was like an out-of-body. That first Super Bowl was almost like an out-of-body experience, really. I mean, I, I came from a practice squad on the worst team in the NFL to – a world champion, yeah. you know, and Megan, Megan was pregnant with our first child, Tucker. And it was just like, what is going on here? <laughs> well, and you're playing this, the, you know, 18 and 0 Patriots. Yeah. One of my favorite stories from that game is I had to block Teddy Bruschi on punt and I was on punt return and he's running down the field and I shove him out of bounds and he hits a referee, and he falls down, the ref falls down. He's like, what the hell are you doing? And I was like, it's the effing Super Bowl, dude. <laughs> I'm doing whatever I can. <laughs> but honestly, you think back to that 05 team, and really the genesis of this attitude was really bred at Northwest. You know, just whatever your part is, do it the best way that you can do it. Right. And that was my part. You know, at that time I was, I played a little bit on defense in the Super Bowl, but you know, Michael Strand probably wasn't coming out of the game much. Right. You know, and OC wasn't either. And so I kind of had to find this Bearcat way of doing things, even in the NFL, you know? Well, and everybody, of course, remembers the, the Tyree catch, right? I mean, that's the, oh, yeah. that's the play, I think, from that Super Bowl. Um, that ever that everybody thinks of. I mean, what? I don't know. You know, once you start playing the game, does it just seem does it just seem like another game, or is it still like holy smokes? You know, do you even have time to look around? I assume before the game you go out and warm ups and stuff. But at, you know, does it really sink in after the game? As you? Oh yeah. You know, as football players, you just want to play football. You know, so the actual game and playing is probably the easiest part. Cause that's who you are. You know, there's longer TV timeouts, you know, the half times twice as long. You take all your stuff off at halftime. And relax. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts outside of the actual playing that do make it different. But once you get in there, um, you know, the weight of it, you feel it, but you also know you got to do your job. And even that 2011 team, we had so much confidence. It was so eerily similar to the Bearcat team. Like, there's no reason we should be this confident, but we are. You know, and, and we have a game plan, and we're going to execute it, and we felt like that game plan against the Patriots in both games was the one that would win the game, and we executed it, you know? Well, and I mean, you, you look at, I mean, the other guys, right, that you're sh that you're sharing the field with, both sides of the ball, obviously Tom Brady and, you know, Randy Moss and just, you know, just, just all these guys. Um, and so my favorite quote, by the way, when you talk about, you know, you on the D line with all those guys, I think, I think you said something like you called yourself a pigeon among Eagles. That yeah, may have been pigeon flying with Eagles, man. <laughs> yeah, that, that I, uh, that I heard, uh, you know, seem pop up a few times, but then of course you come back, right? And, and eight, nine, ten. I mean, you're, you're getting some playing time. You're getting some yeah. sacks. Eleven ends up being your your 
best season with with five sacks and you you uh you know you get a couple of starts that season you bust out the the sack dance tell me about this sack dance i gotta hear about this <laughs> well first off matt longacre beat my bearcat nfl sack record and as probably a lot of people that don't probably a lot of people that will listen to this don't really understand us guys that make it to the nfl there's an internal competition so like i was ragging matt longacre all the time and he finally beat it and he like doesn't still doesn't let me hear the end of it <laughs> that he got five and a half one year and I had five. And so it, it, there's a ton of that banter in the Bearcat community amongst us guys that goes so far and it's so fun to give each other crap about that stuff. But the sack dance was when the Metro dam collapsed. Right. Mm-hmm. And we were staying in Kansas city and I ordered 250 in a tub tacos and they drove them to the hotel. And we were, the D-line, we were all sitting in this room eating these tacos and watching Family Guy. And it was the Family Guy episode that Griffin, Peter Griffin watched Roadhouse. And so he was, he was like going everywhere kicking, you know, Roadhouse and doing a roundhouse <laughs> kick. Yes. And one of the guys is like, I bet you won't do that in a game. I was like, I bet you I will. And so we go and play Minnesota in Detroit and I get a half sack and I did it. <laughs> and really Matt, the really the genesis of it was, was I was having so much fun just having the opportunity to do something that I've dreamt about my whole life. I was playing with house money and, and that dance as goofy as it was just hopefully reminded people about how much fun I was having. Like I was still playing a game. I was playing a, you know, the old saying, playing a kid's game for a King's ransom, you know, and it was so true. And, and it just stuck with me. And, uh, you know, it, it was fun, man. And the guys would razz me about it in the D line room. And that was the other thing too, even in the 2011, you know, OC Tuck and I, and Matthias, who was an IR in 07, we all had been together for five years and that never happens in the NFL ever. Do you get a group of three or four guys in one room that stay together? And, uh, that re- those relationships, even to this day are so special to me. We talk every day, you know? Well, and you, you sub in Jason Pierre Paul for when Strahan retires. Oh, right? He was I mean, a he was freak a too. Yeah. Gosh, dude, Jason was something else, man. I, I, you know, as good as players are at Northwest with, you know, Jamaica, Xavier, you know, even Mike Peterson for a size, we have some guys that are, you know, there's not much better athletes at that level, you know, and you get into a room with a guy like Jason Pierre Paul and it's like, how are we the same species, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a freak of nature. He never lifted weights. He started lifting weights his first year in New York, and he got up to 290 pounds. Wow. From like 255, because he'd never done it, you know? And it, it was just such a special group of guys. We cared so much about each other, and I think it showed the way we played. And and there was no egos. Whoever was in, do your best, you know, and we'll sub. And it was just it was a great scenario. Well, I mean, you had guys going to bat for you, like Justin Tuck, right? Because I think your starts came when he when he was out, maybe. So that's a really cool story, actually. Um, 
it was 2011. Uh, ended up being the only game I started. I actually get, got another start like against the Seahawks that year is because we they ran a kickoff down at like the two and we started in goal line. I gotcha. <laughs> so it was like considered a start, but really the Washington game was the only start. But Justin was hurt, so was OC. Justin could have played. And it just wasn't going to work. So, like, right before the game, they approached Matthias Kiwanuka about starting, which he had been playing linebacker. And he told the staff he won't play unless they start me. And and I didn't find that out till after I retired. Oh, wow. And it was it meant so much to me. And, and it was on the 10-year anniversary of 9-11. Uh, my brother had served in the Marines um, and been on two tours. Uh, you know, after nine eleven, and it, and it, it was, it, that's what made that group really special as well. You know, it just, it meant so much to me that a guy like that would say something like that. And, you know, I played pretty good. I think I had seven, eight tackles, a sack. We ended up losing the game, but it, it was, it was really neat. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Well, then of course that season culminates, and it was ended up being your last one in New York with another Super Bowl. This time again against the Patriots. What I mean, and, and you're you know rotating in playing more. I mean, was that how was that one different when you look back on it compared to the the first one in in '07? Uh, it was a lot different. You know, the first one was so kind of shocking um, that we were even there. And obviously the road to the second one was pretty crazy in itself because we were nine and seven, you know, and, and kind of back toward the playoffs, even though we won the division. But um, it was such a special thing because in my first go, like, I didn't know if I'd be back with the Giants. You know, I was young. I was expendable. Um, there was a lot going on there. Um in the last one, though, I brought my entire family, brought my wife's family, paid for everything, and it was some of the best money that I've ever spent in my life. And we all, we were all champions, and we enjoyed it, and it and it just it was different, you know. I wasn't a spectator per se, even though I played in the first one. Um, you know, that second one was just one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of. You know, my it, it was just the coach Wright came. You know, Coach Wright was a huge Giants fan. He got to meet Harry Carson, and that meant so much for me to, to for him to be a part of it, because um, he had done so much for me. I mean, Coach Wright, really. You know, I was a pretty good athlete when I got to Northwest. I had no idea what I was doing though, and if it wasn't for him, really sculpting me into the player that I was, I wouldn't have made it. You know. He was such a huge part of what I ended up becoming, you know? Well, in 04 was his first season as D-line coach, right? Yeah, we're kind of attached at the hip, <laughs> you know, and we've talked about that, that, you know, I was really his first All-American um, at the defensive line position. Um, that 05 year, I don't know if Steve got All-American in 04. He might have got some regional stuff. But it was really the beginning of obviously this dynastic run of D linemen that Coach Wright continues to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's been, and and that's him. He recruits well. He coaches his ass off. And when I got to Green Bay, skill wise, I was so advanced 
compared to the other rookies with my footwork and hand placement and stuff. And that was really because of coach Wright and, and coach Wright has really become a father figure for me. You know, we still talk often. Um, I was the first person to babysit his oldest daughter, which was a fiasco. <laughs> I had to call my wife at the time, my girlfriend to come help. It was just a disaster. <laughs> um, but you know, he has, he's so special to me. And we have such a good relationship, you know, that I wouldn't be who I am or what I did without him spending that time with me and developing my skill set, you know? Yeah. Well, well, and recce, I mean, the, the other thing too is, is recognizing guys that can do what he wants to do, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you go back and look at an Austin Eskew who, was a tight end at Northwest. You look at Sam Roberts, who's most likely, I think, probably going to be playing on Sundays or at least has a yep. darn good opportunity to do that, was an offensive lineman. Nobody wanted him to play D-line except Coach Wright. I mean, you know, it's, yeah. it's yeah, he he works his magic once he gets him there, but it's also identifying those guys. Okay, who can who can I mold? And he would, He's just so particular, too. I'd never been around a coach like that. You know, Coach Gus, who I still love, you know, he was my first coach at Northwest, but the joke always was the D line was the last ones to get to practice. And the first ones to leave practice, <laughs> you know, and he had some great players, arguably some of the best, but the Beckers, you know, I mean, there's some guys that played D line before I got there that were absolute animals, you know, and then coach Wright comes in this, this little guy, he'll love that. <laughs> and he wants us out 10 minutes early and we're watching film till the cows come home and we're, t- he's making us take notes on opponents. And it was just, it was, it was crazy to us, but it was also like, this is how you become the best. You is you have to have this type of dedication to your craft. And, and again, I, the coaches when I got to green Bay, they could not believe how good my footwork and hand placement and stuff was like, who was your coach? I'm like, coach, right. We did this every day, every day. And really throughout my career, that's what kind of sustained my career is I was never in the wrong spot. Always knew was on my feet and, and wasn't taken out, you know, and a lot of those things were taught by him and that it's still like that. And I think, you know, as athletic as I was, you get a guy like Sam Roberts, who's really a freak a of freak. nature. He is. And, yeah. and yes. And then you combine this, this technique that is just infallible that coach Wright teaches and you get a really special player like him, you know, and Colin Bevins as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, two guys that, that again, for their size, you just don't find people like that walking around. You know, and coach Wright does well at the NFL level. I mean, the coaches don't have the time, right, to to teach or don't take the time or whatever it is to really teach you. You know, they can't really teach you the fundamentals. So, I mean, I'm sure that gives you a leg up on some guys who've just mm-hmm. kind of gotten by on athletic ability. Well, and, and you're right, except my first coach, and he coached me for three years in New York, Coach Waffle. Mm-hmm. He's the one who got me from Oakland, and he was a he was just like coach, right? I mean, every question had an answer. This is how you do it. And it was awesome, you know, and, and I was so comfortable in that environment um, because of coach, right. That it only helped me grow as well, you know, and, and it, 
I was a decent pass rusher at Northwest, obviously, you know, but when I got with coach waffle and we really started hammering away on that, the, the pass rush technique stuff, that's when my, because the NFL man, you know, it, Northwest, I could kind of like bull through guys, you know, mm-hmm. especially being a division two, the NFL that don't work. I tried that against John running and I tried to bull rush him and I fell down. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, you are right though. You get these incredible athletes and you really almost got to kind of let them do what they're comfortable doing. You don't want to handcuff them, you know? Um, but coach Woff was tough, man. He was a good coach. He actually coached at Cal Berkeley when I was in high school and lived maybe a mile and a half from where I grew up. Oh, that's kind of strange. That's kind of funny. <laughs> he knew who I was in high school as well. <laughs> That's great. Well, well, let's go, you know, you win the Super Bowl, and that's kind of the end of your time in New York. Then you, it's kind of a homecoming of sorts. You go back to the yep. Raiders, and although you'd been a Raider, you hadn't played. Um, you know, you hadn't suited up for them and on the you know, hadn't played on the field. And so what was that? I mean, obviously the season wasn't great. I, You and I were talking here a few weeks ago, and I told you about a, a sp- specific memory that I had, I think it was like game three you guys beat the Steelers and, and yeah. Janikowski kicks a field goal. I just remember you in the frame celebrating with him. That was kind of <laughs> cool with me being a Raiders fan. But um, I think, I think the most special thing to me is you guys beat the chiefs twice that season. So that's, that's a good thing. We, we, we actually set a franchise record and Jamal Charles was the running back for least amount of yards rushing against the Raiders in a game. Oh, wow. As bad as we were, we, <laughs> It, you know, and, and I don't have anything against the coaches. We weren't getting coached great. Dennis Allen was the head coach, and I think he's learned a lot. I think he's going to do a pretty good job in New Orleans. He, he probably should have had more control over the defense, but we had some good players. Yeah, Richard, Richard Seymour. Right? Yeah. yeah, of course. Tommy Kelly. Um, you know, we, we had some guys that just couldn't – we just couldn't get it going. But it was awesome. I was really banged up, Matt. That – that 2011 season, one of the coolest things that happened in 2011 is I didn't have to play in the fourth preseason game. I was the only backup that didn't have to. And that meant a lot to me. Um, but I played in, I think, 23 games that year. And I got to Oakland, and I was kind of a mess. You know, they got to start early because they had a new coach. They had an extra, they had an extra mini camp, extra OTAs, and I just needed time. You know, I turned 31 um it was going to be my seventh season you know eighth including nfl europe i think and i was just kind of banged up and i just you know it was great to be back home it really was my mom come to games and we stayed in a town not far from where i grew up i mean it was a really it was fun it was just tough man I, i could just never get fully healthy you know well, and like, like happens in the NFL, careers just kind of end, right? And they're just yeah. kind of they're just kind of over one day. Was that was so, that a tough transition? No. Um, so the Raiders cut me, um, and Dennis Allen calls me, and and he was really nice. I say, Coach, we'll see each other again or talk. You don't have to explain to me. I was like, this is like my fifth time getting cut. You know, like. If you guys are ready to move on, that's fine. I'll do my best to find somewhere else to get some work. You know, he's like, I appreciate it, Dave. And that was kind of that. I don't think I told my wife till dinner time that I got cut, you know. 
And so me and Kenny on the Tolu, another D2 great, played at UNO. We were trained together, and he got cut by the Panthers. And so all summer we trained, and, and he was banged up too. He had a tricep injury that was pretty bad. And uh, we get about a month, maybe three weeks into the season, and we're still working out. And we get to the gym one day, and I get out of the car, and I look at him. I was like, let's just retire. I'm tired of working out, not getting any drive. He's like, all right, sounds good. Hopped in the car and came home, <laughs> said, Megan, I'm done playing football. And that was kind of it. Well, and you, you retired a giant, of course. I mean, assuming that was yep. something pretty special. Yeah, of do. course. Yeah, they they treated me so well. There's so many people in that organization that, that treated me really good. And, and I just kind of wanted to make it a point that it'd be through them. And, and it was neat that they were able to do that. And so it was, it was, you know, like I came in, I kind of just went out, you know, I'd had a good time and, and, uh, enjoyed it and was ready to spend time with the family too. You know, it takes so much work, especially for myself, you know, it, it was just, you know, four or five hours a day of working out and just, everything I could do to, to even stay a backup, you know, and special teamer sometimes it was, it was hard, you know? Well, and, and so, you know, coaching, you talked about that at Iowa Western, but then, you, you know, you did some kind of semi-pro coaching in Omaha too, to start out. Was that, was that something that you were always interested in or did it just kind of happen? It just kind of happened. I had some offers pretty quick from NFL teams to come in and coach um, guys that I played for or that knew who I was, I was maybe half a dozen or so. And I wasn't too interested. I know how much time it takes and I kind of wanted a break, you know? And so, um, it wasn't, it was Dane Wardenberg. He was the O-line coach really at Iowa Western. This was after the FXFL thing. I, I wanted to coach. I love football, still do. I mean, I, it's just my thing. I understand it. I can talk about it. Everything offensively, defensively, it all makes sense to me. And, and I just love it. But it, it, I didn't just jump in. You know, I got the opportunity to go to Western. Scott Strohmeyer is awesome. Um, runs an incredible program to be a part of that. Aaron Terry's the full-time D-line coach. And I get to help him. So getting to hang out with a brother, former Bearcat, mm -hmm. makes things even better. You know, but it, it wasn't something that I was like, I'm going to coach right when I'm done. I kind of, I really needed to decompress. I tell a lot of people when you retire from the NFL, it's like going from an outside dog to an inside dog. Like you, you can't chew on everything and pee on the floor. You know, you kind of got to figure out that the, <laughs> the normal world isn't a football locker room, you know? Well, and I mean, so I assume you take things from, you know, uh, who's who's the biggest influence over you as a coach as far as your coaching style goes probably coach right probably i would say him because th that the particular way of doing things um are so important up front so important you just have no room for error because the timing of it is so quick you know you take a wrong step in the secondary even as a linebacker you got some time you know you take a wrong st step up front, you're getting smoked. You know, I mean, it just ain't going to work. So I, and, 
I, I would definitely say him. Um, just, you know, the joke is it's not right unless it's rich, right? <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's kind of the way that, you know, we always joke about it. The D line guys from the Bearcats, that's just the way it is. It's gotta be done the right way or it's not done right. You know? So, I mean, I mean, obviously you like to hunt. All, all that stuff. I mean, what 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 all things do you do to to keep yourself busy nowadays besides Megan and the and the three boys? Yeah, the coaching kind of fills that that void for football. I coach my boys' teams now to help with that. Love helping kids. You know, football is just such a natural medium for me to work through. You know, to to either mentor my kids or other kids or even these young men that are playing in JUCO hunting. So I believe that like every man's got a vice almost, you know, and hunting's really my thing. I travel. Um, I don't travel as much now. My kids are pretty involved in sports, so I don't get to do as much as I used to, but um, that's a big thing for me. Um, And, you know, just being a dad, I didn't have a dad growing up. So I kind of get to figure these things out as I go. And with the help of some of the best coaches who are the best men that I've ever met in my life, you can use a lot of that stuff in it, you know? So kind of, a, you know, we had a wrestling tournament this last weekend. Got to go to that. That's all kind of, you know, I'm really a football guy. So I kind of got to be a part of this sports stuff that again is all new to me. So it's always, that's kind of what I've been up to is just being a dad and hunting when I get the chance, you know? Well, and obviously, you know, Coach Wright, special person in your life, Northwest, very specialty. I mean, you know, we, we say, you know, family right at Northwest, but but there is something different. I mean, there there truly is. What what is that? I don't know. What is it? What does the Bearcat family mean to you? Man, it's it really means everything. So my friends came out from California uh, to visit Maryville in '04 and '05. Two of them. They added a third guy to the second trip, but they still talk about it to this day. And 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 I always tell people you gotta go there. And you know, Coach Bostwick when he got the job, you know, there's just something about this place. And you you, you it's really hard to explain. And it's not just the football team, but I think the football team is kind of the heartbeat of the city, you know? Mm-hmm. Um but the place is, is like, I almost try to tell people it's like a, it's like it's sealed off from kind of everything else. And, and the city takes care of itself and it takes care of the students and, and everybody has a, has a share in the success of other people that are there, you know? So it's hard to explain, you it's- know, you, you just, you gotta go there. That's as good as I've ever heard anybody put that. That's, yeah, everybody has a, kind of the shared interest. Well, and that's the thing, right? I mean, if, if you look at other teams in the MIAA, for instance, you know, um, the school closes tomorrow. You know, I'm sure the communities would feel it. But, I mean, there yeah. is no Maryville without Northwest. Mm-hmm. You know, so many people's incomes are tied up, you know, whether they work directly for the university or not <laughs> because of the university. And I think that's, that's part of it. But again, that, yeah, I don't know. Can you put words to it? I, I don't know. Well, 
it's always interest, interested me to look at the, the hierarchy of the MIAA. And really, Northwest has been it for the last 25 years consistently. But you look at the big cities, Topeka, um, where is Missouri Southern at again? Joplin. Joplin, mm-hmm. uh, Central Missouri. There's some yeah, reason. Yeah, St. Joe, why, right? Yes, yeah, Missouri Western. There's some reason that that Division Two way and even the Bearcat way, it really works there in Maryville. Mm-hmm. You know, you've seen coaches go other places, and Sabota had some success in Warrensburg, and Tatum didn't do great in Southern. But, like, it just works. You don't have the big city life. You're a little isolated, which in some instances isn't good. But in as far as getting to work and putting your best foot forward in whatever it is, maybe some of that isolation helps and you can really reflect on what you do. You can do better. But I've always wondered why some of the bigger cities, you think there'd be a lot more to offer to recruits. It just hasn't worked like it's worked in Maryville. Yeah, 100%. Well, Dave, I could literally talk to you <laughs> for another hour or two, but last yep. thing I like to do is the pick six, just kind of six rapid-fire questions, and maybe goofy, maybe not. One of them you kind of spoiled on your own, but anyway, I'll stick with it. That We'll save that one. First question, you a superstitious guy. Did you have any pregame rituals, whether at Northwest or in the NFL or, or any that carried over? Uh, you know, Eli always had a great saying. He's not superstitious. He's just a little stitious. <laughs> yep, it's from the office. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would talk to my mom before every game and she'd cuss me out. <laughs> I didn't raise no big. You better F somebody up. And, and that was our thing, man. It was a funny story about that, but I did it with her one time in the equipment room and the owner of the Giants heard it. And I turn around and John Mayer is standing right there and he's like, you better kick somebody's ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. All right. Um, second question of the pick six. If Did you ever give any thought to if you ever would have scored a touchdown in the NFL to how you would have celebrated it? No, I didn't. I didn't. I, I wanted to. Man, I didn't. I haven't scored a touchdown in football since my senior year of high school, oh, wow. and it was always kind of like a thing. Like, man, I want to score a touchdown, but I probably would have done some dorky, like I don't know, who knows? I would the robot or something. Yeah, something <laughs> terrible. But no, not much thought into that. All right, all right. Third question: Who's the most talented athletically, or most athletic, maybe Bearcat that you ever? played with Jamaica is the first guy that comes to mind but Mike Peterson was a freak I mean he, he like he could jump run hit baseballs I mean he it seemed like anytime he do anything athletically he was one of the best in the room at it I mean he played running back his senior year remember yeah. For he was he was Xavier's backup wearing number eighty nine, I think. Oh yeah. I, I totally forgot about it. He that. rushed for like two hundred and eighty yards that year or something <laughs> like that. Just something ridiculous. Um it it's it's gotta be Jamaica. Don't tell him I said that. 
Okay. Oh, well, your secret's safe with me. Uh, <laughs> who's the best D2 player that you ever played against? Ooh. Um, man. I, I suppose it'd be, it'd probably be Finnerty. I've never really thought about that, Matt. Um, you know, really, a lot of the best players were on my team. I, I think, I'll tell you this: if Steve Williams doesn't get hurt his senior, he's probably one, if one of the best players in the history of Northwest Missouri State. I think he was that good. But I would say Finnerty. Okay. All right. Fifth question in the pick six, and uh, and. He- you kind of. I was going to ask this one. I'll go ahead and ask it anyway. Would in and I. I guess the answer is going to be yes. Would you trade one of your Super Bowl rings for the for the Natty in 05? Yep. All right. Last question number <laughs> number six. So this goes back to the football yearbook. All right. Of of people saying what their favorite movie is. Is your favorite movie still Braveheart? No. What's your favorite movie now? Last of the Mohicans. Oh, nice. Yeah, I got that last Mohicans. I got into that. Oh man, that thing's an all timer. Daniel Day Lewis. Mm-hmm. They're charging up the mountain, and the mu- I listened to that music before games. Oh, nice. It was that thing's. Yeah, Braveheart's played out now. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I mean, that was you know almost twenty years ago, so you know, we're all entitled to change our opinions every now and then. Hey. Back at you, though, in your opinion, who's the best athlete you've seen play for the Bearcats? Who, man, you're you're putting it around on me. Best athlete. Probably, it probably goes, and I, I would call him the best athlete and the best player, Xavier Oman. I've never seen anybody um, do the things he could do on a football field. Yep. That's, a, I mean, that's a. Jamaica is a really special player to me also. Um, that his sophomore year in 02, that and his, of course, his senior year in 04 were a couple of spectacular seasons that he had, and he he could do some great things with the ball in his hands. But uh, I'm, I might put him on the Mount Rushmore, maybe, but um, yeah. I don't know. Pro- probably, probably Xavier. Man, he was Xavier was incredible, man. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and he'd grown so for me having played with him he had grown so much, you know, he, he had dealt with so many things in his mm-hmm. life, which we don't got to get into, but to kind of see the man he grew into late in his career. I mean, it, it was kind of special to, to see what the things that he did with the football, man. Yeah. That well, kid was something else. Well, I had him on here recently. Um, and he, uh, he of course talked about it and I got coach T to, to, re- to record some stuff, kind of talking about it. And, and obviously, their relationship is really special, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and for, I guess, any of you guys that kind of didn't have that father figure, um, you know, growing up, I'm sure yep. you probably all say something similar, but uh, hit the, the maturation process of Xavier Oman is, at Northwest is pretty amazing. And then yeah. the senior season that he had is one of the greatest all-time seasons ever. In college anyone. football history. College, yes, football, college history. football history. Mm-hmm. 100%. You know, the crazy thing about Coach T, and we can wrap it up, I'm not sure I ever talked to football, talked about football with him. Think about that. Mm-hmm. The head coach, 
of Northwest Missouri State, I don't think we ever talked about football. That's incredible. You know, because for him, football was just kind of the vestibule of him delivering his messages, you know? Mm-hmm. It was never, other than that one time, which I would you know, hey, we got to have you make a play here. But never, you know, David, what were you thinking this play? I mean, nothing, nothing ever like that. It was always, uh, how am I doing, you know, outside of football? And, and even to this day, I don't know how much we've even talked about it. You know, it's always about the kids, my kids, and how he, you know, it's, you could do a whole podcast probably talking to guys about him. Yeah. You know, because he's a different, he's just a, you can't really put your thumb on how he's operated. You know, it's pretty incredible. Well, and when he talks about how proud he is of, um, of you guys as players, he, he never says the football stuff first. Never, He'll always never. says, you know, he, he probably knows the names of everyone's children. Yep. And, and also, you know, about what kind of person, what kind of man, what kind of yep. father, what kind of whatever. And I think that speaks as much to his character maybe as anything. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that the reason his name's down there on the field, right? That's right. <laughs> well, Dave, man, I appreciate you being so very gracious with your time with me. It's It's been a lot of fun, and and uh, who knows, maybe we can, well, I'm sure we can find some more stuff to talk about uh, down the road. Yeah, let's do it. You got to do one of these with a couple guys on it. Like, maybe do like a, I don't know if you could do a, if you could do a couple guys over like a Skype, like a video recorded, like, I think you'd laugh quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have some things. Up. I had a couple of things in the work this spring that didn't work out, but, um, yeah, I've, I've got some ideas, so we'll see what, uh, it's hilarious. I met the first time I met Joe Glab, he's in Millard here in Omaha. He, I had just met the guy and he was telling me how much he whooped my butt at practice, <laughs> you know, like, and I'm out, I'm just getting done playing the NFL. He's like, you would last a day against us. And it's just that Bearcat family stuff. You just can't get away from it. And it's incredible. I appreciate it, Matt. You're doing a great job. This, this is the type of stuff that needs to be done. And you're doing the the hard work on it, and to get these stories out here, I think is is incredible, man. I really appreciate you asking me to be on. Welcome back here on Bleeding Green. I hope you've enjoyed this episode, this two-parter, as much as I have. Some great stuff, great stories, and everything from Dave Tollefson. And, and uh, man, he's he's got a lot of good ones. I appreciate Dave's time so much. On uh, We had so many good chats and stories and things on the record, off the record. He uh, really went above and beyond to kind of make this thing happen, and I so appreciate that. Has some really nice things to say as well as, as in regards to me and this podcast, and, and I wholeheartedly appreciate that. One thing, though, that he kind of did to me, Yes, he put me on the spot with that athletic, uh, who I thought the most athletic Bearcat was. And I'll be honest with you, I put some thought into it, kind of reflected on it. And a few days after this was recorded, I texted Dave and I said, you know, I have kind of an under the, the radar uh, answer. Um, sidebar, before I tell you who that is, to me, Xavier Oman's the greatest player to ever don Bearcat Green. 
no question in my mind. And uh, and he's definitely that's of course my opinion, but he's the greatest player I've ever seen in a Bearcat uniform for sure. Um, but as far as this, a guy who's an athletic freak. Josh Baker on the 2010 version of the Bearcats. I know there was an offensive lineman earlier, um, Josh Baker, but the tight end from Delaware, that guy, if he had two good knees, there's no doubt in my mind we'd have never seen him in Maryville for sure. But uh, what a just an, a crazy freak athlete. The game that I always go back to when I think of Josh Baker, and he had a couple of fake punts. I think he had one against UNO early in the 2010 season. But But the game that I always think of is the Missouri Western game in the playoffs um, it, it, uh, Bearcat stadium down 17, nothing at halftime. We come out, we I think might've even gone. I don't know if we went three and out or we get a first down or two, but basically we're having to punt. And, uh, and I've talked to coach T about this too. And, and, you know, call the fake punt, Josh Baker hurdles a guy and just goes through touchdown one. It's against Western, right? So that holds a special place in my heart. And, uh, two, it's playoffs, and that guy was just absolutely incredible. He later scored a touchdown uh, in that game, but of course the Bearcats come back and win it 28-24. And uh, um, anyway, just a, just a great play, and that guy was just an absolute freak. Interesting thing, when I was talking to Dave about that, he uh, he said that he played against Josh Baker when when he was with the Jets. I think it was in a preseason game. He even scored a touchdown against uh, Dave Tollison, New York Giants. So anyway, just kind of a sidebar, a little bonus uh, <laughs> bonus content here on the podcast. But uh, anyway, big thank you again to Dave Tollison. And thank you, by the way, for making this podcast the success that it's been so far. You know, and, and I do have a favor to ask, though. Um, anything you can do to make this thing uh, grow, I would absolutely consider it a personal favor to myself. And, uh, you know, word of mouth, honestly, there's no substitute for that. You know, we can all share it on social media and whatever. And if you do that, I so appreciate that. But if you know somebody who would really enjoy this podcast, just have them go to bleedinggreenpodcast.com and they can access the whole the whole library of the podcast and go back and listen to it for themselves. I think these... These four episodes, um, so far, anyway, and I'll be honest with you, there's some more really good ones coming, but the Chris Grison episode, the Xavier Oman episode, and this two-parter with Dave Tollefson, I'd have them start there, to be <laughs> to be quite honest with you. There's lots of other great content. The Sean Bain one, I think, is a really underrated chat. Um, so is my chat with Andy Peterson um, that was early on in, in this podcast last uh, last summer. Great episode with Coach T of the 05 Road Dogs. I mean, there's so many good ones. You know, I, I understand a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the content from last fall maybe isn't as timely, but those chats with the players are really, really good. Anything with Eli in it, my son Eli is a is a win. The Bearcats, according to Eli, and he'll uh, I'm sure he'll be making some appearance here in the off season and and making a return when uh, when next fall rolls around and and uh, to do some more predictions and and, and the return of the Bearcats according to Eli. But again, go on over to my website, um, you know, direct people there, bleedinggreenpodcast.com. Of course, my Facebook group, Bleeding Green Podcast, you can check that out, throw it a like, and get your notifications for that. Um, and wherever you listen to this podcast as well, if you're not subscribed, do it. If you can leave me a review, do that too. I mean, in anything like that, it definitely helps grow this thing. And and uh, again, you know, I'm just overjoyed with the popularity in my mind, and in some people's minds, it may be very little, but in my mind, I'm just thrilled with this, and I think there's there's a long way to go. There's a lot of uh, a lot of other Bearcat fans like us, I think, that would really enjoy uh, enjoy this podcast. 
Also, if you want to throw me a follow on Twitter at FroDaddy84, you can do that as well. But that's going to do it for this edition of Bleeding Green, Beers, Burgers, and Bearcat Football. Jordan Grove will join me on next week's episode. What a great story he's got, by the way. Walk on to Captain. You know, he was the Swiss Army Knife, did a little bit of everything, and he, uh, you know, was such a pivotal part, too, of those uh, 2015 uh, and 16 teams. And uh, it's, it's a really good uh, good chat with him. We get to catch up with him, and, and uh, that'll be a great one as well. Until next time, as always, go Bearcats! Go Bearcats!